0: welcome my lovelies welcome to yet another naked football show today i welcome an australian our second this season uh rowena Mackey. um before i introduce rowena or talk to rowena i must say to our australian listeners that includes ben and ewan who continually tell me about how lovely the weather is in australia it's 19 degrees and it's today so you can stick that up your respective didgeridoo's hello rowena how are you
1: g'day mate how are you
0: yeah yeah fine sheila I mean, as far as we've all been in the last couple of years of a year and a half of being locked into our houses and cells and uh, not being able to go to football, but you might well consider that a good thing. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on, uh, firstly, do you want to mention the game Saturday, which was pretty non-eventful, a boring 0-0 draw against Wigan, and then your thoughts in general on how the season's gone so far?
1: Well, my thoughts about Saturday's game is I can't remember it. Um, I <laughs> no, think I started started dreaming about whether I could have a summer holiday or not. Um, so, is that reflective of the entire season? It's hard to say, isn't it? It's, it's really difficult. I think it's it's a tough time to be playing football. Um, I think we've got to remember in all of this about the pandemic, we've got teams and our team who haven't had a, a crowd supporting them for well over 12 months now. And that can't be easy to, to sort of play with any sense of, you know, Pizzazz and verve when you when you don't have a crowd there to really you know um, motivate you encourage you and and make you play at your best Um, I think the ongoing issues and speculation around ownership can't help and I also think a massive great squad where I'm not entirely sure who are the fixed players and who aren't that's not helping and I think one of the biggest issues uh, we have at the present minute is lack of a you know rock solid goals goal scorer or at least a couple of them Um, you know if you look at the teams who are top of this league they've got individual players who are banging in 25 22 17 goals already and our top three goal scorers have only managed 16 goals (laughs) between them so you know i do think that's quite a quite a serious issue that uh, needs to be resolved
0: Yeah, and we we had thoughts that we should be playing more than one up front, but I I believe Peterborough, I'm not sure whether they're top scorers, but they're certainly up there and they only play one up front. So I don't think that is the problem. As you say, it's uh, it's a bit of a deeper thing than that. I mean, we have had bad luck with um, Norwood being injured he is our pretty much our only goal scorer though isn't he that's the thing
1: well he is our only goal well he seems to be our only goal scorer i mean our, our next two highest goal scorers are edwards and and bishop and you, you don't really see them every game generating chances or banging in, in attempts no. and it, it's very difficult and it's hard to know where to place the blame Um, I think there's a whole range of factors that are having a massive impact on the town's performance at present and they need to be resolved um, before we can start moving in a more positive direction, I would have said. And and the lack of a a clear goal scorer, at least a couple of goal scorers, who you can rely on to be, well, even just creating chances. I mean, when when was the last time we created three or four or five chances in a game? I'm not sure I remember when that was. And it certainly wasn't against Wigan because I was dreaming about a summer holiday.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, it wasn't. Yeah, that is the problem, it's creating the chances as well as actually putting them away and if we're not creating chances even if Norwood is bang on form it's not going to help is it if no one's creating the chances and we haven't we are one of the lowest scorers in the division which is pretty worrying
1: Who are you going to name as being consistently busy up front. Who's up there really busy? You might put Alan Judge up there. I mean, to be fair, he's had a pretty decent season, I would have said, on the whole. You know, he's busy, but but where are are the chances coming from? Who's really working hard to make something happen up there? Um, It's it's very encouraging to see the nonsense of the backwards play that's gone out of our game now with um, Lambert moving on. So I'm really pleased to see that there is more Well, it appears to be more forward balls. You know, there's a little bit more intensity from the players, but certainly not all the time. And it's not, the it's patchy, isn't it? And and it's very patchy. And there's no rhyme nor reason to it sometimes. Um, And the lack of consistency is is difficult. So we're kind of consistent because we can hold the ball, but again, we just don't have busy, pacey people really trying to make something happen, from what I can see, anyway.
0: No, do you think, um, I think you touched on it at the start, didn't you, do do you think that uh, lack of crowds does play into it? Although we say that, but, you know, there are teams that are top and uh, doing quite well out of it, so...
1: I think, well, I think it has an impact, doesn't it? I mean, it it could have an impact in a positive or a negative sense, you know, there's possibly less pressure because there's not, you know, there's not 20,000 people all booing and hissing at you, but then equally there's not 20,000 people really geeing you on. And I you, you can't tell me that professional sport and professional sports people don't suffer from not having that crowd around them. The pressures will change on their performance. I accept that. But, you know, everyone, any, anyone who's played any kind of sport, you know, I know even just when, not that my parents came that much, but if my parents turned up to watch a game or my grandparents turned up to watch a game or something I was playing, I... I intrinsically played harder or wanted to play better or, you know, you just got this little boost of motivation. Now, I'm nowhere near a professional footballer at all, but, you, you, you know, the whole psychology behind it, of course that's going to have an impact to not have the North stand there geeing you up or, you, you know, making you perform better because you don't want to make a mistake. You know, it's, it's, it's really difficult. Now, I don't think we can underestimate the impact of the pandemic more widely on something like the professional sport.
0: We're going to be talking about this, I'm sure, but thoughts on the takeover? Do you, I mean, I asked Phil, we had Phil last week. Now, if anyone knows, Phil is one of the people who would know, and I ended the show by just saying, your gut instinct takeover, is it going to happen or not? And he said, no, that's his gut instinct. But then, of course, now it seems to have resurrected itself again. Do you think this is playing on people's minds as well? And also there's a lot of players out of contract. Do you think all of this is messing with them as well?
1: Absolutely. I think that, you know, takeovers and, and um, well, takeovers are a staple of modern-day football, aren't they? And they can be a real lottery now. Um, and, you know, you could see it as the opportunity for a fresh start and a squad overhaul and injecting a different kind of leadership and a different kind of um, level of commitment to the fans. So that could be really positive. But then equally, it could also, you know, be really detrimental to players' performance. So all this constant... Lack of clarity and and lack of direction and lack of certainty about what's happening for their futures. Now, you know, I'm sure many of us would think, well, you know, they're professional footballers, they get paid to play well, and that's what they should do. But, you know, they're human beings as well. So all those pressures on them and, and lack of clarity, let's face it, lack of clarity and lack of certainty are two big disincentives for anyone in their life so you know even for professional footballers to not know where they stand or not know what the next direction is or to feel really frustrated about a style of play but feeling that they can't do anything about it you know that's got to have an impact on their performance and I'm not trying to make excuses for them I'm just trying to understand the context that our players have been in you know for the last 12 months with the pandemic but the last 18 to 24 months with, with you know poor performance that just doesn't seem to be able to move in a positive direction. And the question has to be asked, is that is that the owner or the manager? Mm. You know, where, where do you lay the finger of blame? Or is, you know, do we need a perfect synergy between owner and management that creates the best in our players? And And Chamber, what do we do about Chamber, who's led the club so so very well? I, I would say, you know, through some really difficult times, what do you do with him now coming out of contract in June? You know I think that's a really, really difficult question because actually, who's going to step up and hold that team together through the really difficult times that it strikes me. Chamber has held a team together.
0: Yeah, I think we might have questions on that. I'll go talking of questions, I'll go on to tweets and emails. These are as usual uh, as they came in. so if I don't get yours, big big apologies. um first one is uh, well, this is. I was going to say this is very much a left field question, but I would argue it's probably a far right question. From Shaky, hello Shaky, I have a question. A Newcastle podcaster is currently getting buckets because he's interviewed Tommy Robinson. Which if it's podcast is most likely to interview Tommy Robinson? I'm not going to drop any podcast in it and uh, force them to. Bravo if they do though. Who's, does he support Newcastle or is he, does he, he lives in Luton, doesn't he, or he used to? But uh, no, I'm staying well away from that. I get enough grief for criticizing the government. <laughs> thanks, Shaky uh, Lee. That's Ginger Eagle on uh, Twitter. Ginger Eagle seventy three. So the rumor mill will tell us that there's been another land search by the Americans. As it seems, the deal only appears to be on when it's when we're s h i t. Would we be happy playing this way for the remainder of the season if it meant the deal was done and Marcus Evans buggered off? Great show, thanks, mate. Thoughts there, Rowena.
1: That's a really interesting question, isn't it? I don't think we should ever not play to the very best of our ability. So I would say as long as we're doing the best we can, game in, game out, then that's what we have to do. Um, I do take the point, though, that perhaps... Bringing in a new owner is going to have, as I touched on earlier, you know, going to give those opportunities for a fresh start and, and possibly, you know, a squad overhaul, for example, um, to repair any sort of, well, to repair what's probably a damaged relationship with, with many fans. You know, that would be a great opportunity. So, personally, I was really excited when there was talk of a deal. Um, the Americans do sport really, really well, whatever way you look at it. On the whole, they do it really well, um, and I understand that. Is it Brett Johnson his name? You know he's got a good good track record of um, how he owns sporting franchises and how he engages with fans. So yes, I mean hopefully something will happen, but I wouldn't like to just play. I don't know
0: crap and then rubbish just football that,
1: just to hope that see that the happens. There, yeah. But what if we do that and there is no takeover? Yeah, I know. You know, it's fraught with difficulty, isn't it? And, and my yeah. bottom line would always be: every time you step out on that pitch, you step out a to play your best and b to win. Why why would we do anything less? And Marcus Evans is a businessman, so if he's got an opportunity here to you know get some return on his investment or lack of investment, whichever way you choose to look at it, then surely he's going to make a business decision.
0: Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, we don't really know what's going on, do we? So we no. can only... Uh, well, it's good for speculation, yeah. isn't it?
1: And, you know, if you look at great great football takeovers, I suppose the biggest and best would be Chelsea in 2003 by Roman Abramovich and um, good old Sheikh Mansour or whatever his name is at Man City in 2008. Um, you know, but, but they're on a completely different level, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But ever since those takeovers have happened and money's been pumped into players and managers and so on and so forth, I mean, between them, they've won something like 27, 28 major trophies in the last sort of, you know, 15 to 20 years. So there's obviously benefits, but we're not talking money like that, are we? So it's no. it's difficult. I mean, do I want to see Marcus Evans out? Well, it comes down to the question I asked earlier. where do you Where do you... Where do you put the blame, owner, manager or, in fact, players? You know, but actually players are just pawns in a big chess game. So, you you know, the decision needs to be taken around. Is it the the owners or the managers or is it the synergy between the two? Or does the truth lie somewhere between the extremes of those, which is probably where the truth does lie? Yeah, or lack of money,
0: basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, From Mullet, I love Andre Dazelle. That's that's two of us, Mullet. I think we're the only two left now. Uh, With Easter bringing us two games, not one, do we think there's any difference to be made in winning both, or is Cook's remit simply next season now?
1: that's an interesting question I would like to say I love Andre Dazelle as well not as much as I love Chamboe but I do see from Dazelle's stats that he routinely makes the most passes he's got the highest pass accuracy I think he's a fantastic player I wonder if he suffers from the fact that he's got no one as good as him around to understand how he plays and where he's going to put the ball because whenever I watch him he's always putting the ball into space from what I can tell Um, and that's what I was saying earlier about you know now I'm busy up the front there sort of running onto those balls or finding those opportunities but anyway what was the question again sorry mother
0: <laughs> it, that's the trouble with mullet's question everyone majors on the Dazelle thing and forgets the rest of it with easter bringing two games not one do we think there's any difference to be made in winning both or is, is it is cook's remit simply next season
1: well given <coughs> our next two games are both bottom of the table i'd be very disappointed if we didn't come away with a win from both of those hmm. and it comes back to what i'm saying before i think surely when you're in a managerial position you, you what, don't you want to end the season on a on an up, however that upward trajectory looks, so that you've got a really good, you know, foundation for the start of the next season? So I would say I hope that he's he's going to really, you know, insist on. The highest performance that our players can give, and to keep moving in a forwards direction. Otherwise, mm. I, I personally don't see the point.
0: In a perfect world, you'd hope that we go go for it, try and get promoted, whether we do or not.
1: Well, play really well,
0: points. and then then you still get the takeover. That's we're only two hope. points
1: off the playoff position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I know we're eleventh or something like that, and Bet 6th is on, I think, fifty-seven points, and we're on fifty-five. And I know there's some differences there with different clubs having games in hand or not having games in hand, but. You know, anything can happen in football, yeah. can't it? And, you know, I, I personally think we just got to go for it because I don't see the point otherwise of bothering to turn up to play yeah. or bothering to turn up to manage.
0: True, true. From Daryl from the US of AIDS, talking of US and sport. Hello, mate. Uh, he just says, Greetings, Black and Mac. Sorry, slower ball. I've nipped it in to beat you to it. <laughs> yep. You probably did. That's probably exactly what Slowerball would have said. Um, a Jane McKinley. Um, this will be a great interview. Not sure sure who she is. Never heard of her. Jane, for those uh, listening, is uh, another Australian. We've got Australians this week.
1: And for uh, those listening, Jane uh, loves the old town and she's come to a few games and she's got a um, town beanie and she's a great fan and absolute delight. So lots of love to you, Jane. It's, it's good that you're listening and can't wait to get you back there.
0: Absolutely. Cheers, Jane. Uh, Aust- uh, Alistair, Australia, Rat-Roy, Alistair Ratray hello Alistair we are playing poorly yet are remaining in touch with the top six as many of the sides around us are as inconsistent as we are which may go back to what you were saying about playing without crowds it must be quite awkward as fans do we have unrealistic expectations of the quality of football we should expect from League One generally
1: that's a really hard question Um, and and I preface that with I've never seen the town play in the Premier League, so I became a town fan um, way back in the days of probably about 2003 when we had come down into the Championship and the most, you know, highest quality game in terms of, um, you know, Championship, Premiership that I saw was a playoff with, with West Ham. So I think it's really difficult. I think the consistency is a massive great problem, but then... You know with a squad the size of the squad we've got and having a look at some stats today just to sort of think about what to say on the show tonight you know there's not anyone in there there's not a core group of people who are game in game out you know in there playing I I just think they're tough I think it's tough times and I don't think we can underestimate the impact of playing in empty stadiums you know doing those long trips away there's no one there to get a buzz from you know I don't think we can underestimate the impact of, of of crowds
0: true Uh, Andrew uh, hello Andrew Uh, actually there's two here for it's similar so in your time supporting Tan has there ever been a team this bad and this disconnected from the fans Um, A I would say no it probably hasn't and B I'm not totally convinced it's disconnected from the fans I think we're disconnected from the whole game because of the COVID thing and because of television and you know I'm not sure the hands to the ears is a thing about the fans or the fact that there's no one there to hear anything so I'm not sure there's a complete disconnect with the fans but but anyway, another question um, from Andy Gray. So it's two Andrews, basically. Will you be renewing your season tickets for next season? With what's currently on show, do you believe that sales would be significantly lower? Personally, if Chambers is offered as a year extension, I'll refuse to buy any merchandise or I follow for next season. Briefly?
1: Um, absolutely, I'll be buying yeah. a season ticket. Um, I love the football. I love the day out. Um, miss your fox, miss your penny, um, <laughs> and looking forward to getting back to that. Um do I want to see a better standard of play? Absolutely, of course I do. But also I just want to get back to the excitement of everyone being there and, and just, just the buzz and, and what goes with it, with the football and the day out. So absolutely, I'll be, be, I'll be um, renewing. Um, and, and I'm you know, I, I want to be optimistic. I don't want to be pessimistic. I want to believe that we can play better and we can move in a more positive direction because if you don't believe that, well, what's the point?
0: Yeah, I agree. That's I've said this a million times on the show and I know a lot of people think that way. That I, of course I'll renew simply because it's the day out, you meet you make each other your mates, have a few beers and a laugh and a moan usually often. But uh, I just love the whole thing, the atmosphere. You know, It's just something different and unique to football I think uh Julian hello Jules good evening GB and Rowena my question is to both of you as the football is so poor this season shall we just talk about the takeover again is it on is it off is it on what are your thoughts this week on the situation it's like a soap saga love to all thanks Jules we've pretty much covered that haven't we I think we probably have
1: covered it and I suppose you know honestly would I like to see a takeover after all my hedging of bets and trying to you know have an open mind about these things I think so, I think it's probably probably time um, but I don't think that we should play differently to secure that is probably where I'm at. Um, I think any opportunity to change the leadership and, and change the culture of a of a big organisation, and let's face it, Ipswich Town Football Club. You know, if you look at it in an organisational theory term, then you know you need a change in the leadership of some degree to create that new culture you want, don't you? So, absolutely, it'd be good if we could um, see something positive happen in, in that light. But I don't think we should play poorly to secure that.
0: Um, Alex Blagona, who simply says, "I've heard of her." <laughs>
1: Hello, Alex. Hope you're well.
0: Alex Alex teaches out there in uh, Gainsborough country, don't you, Alex? Hope you're well. Have to have you on one week, mate. Um, Roy Watson-Davis. Name seems oddly familiar. (laughs)
1: Yes, Roy Watson Davis, yeah. I know. He I well, I used to work with a Roy Watson Davis. So, yeah, that's yeah, probably right. Absolutely. Why. Hello, yeah. Roy, hope you're well as well.
0: <laughs> uh Matt Thomas, hello fellow sufferers, is your flabber by an apparent lack of ambition in players? We have a massive massive dead ball specialist need. I might be one to, it might be one to two hours of extra training a day, but guarantee a spot in the side. Why isn't a younger player showing ambition to grasp this chance?
1: you know a dead ball specialist absolutely but then we need players who are going to be actually running at goal and getting hacked down in front of goal so that your dead ball specialist can come into play and i don't see enough of that um should a youngster be doing that well absolutely why not but then the question needs to be asked about what are the priorities of the club is it the under under 18s the under 23s you know are they because they're succeeding so well presently are they you know making sure that those teams are kept secure you know tough question
0: Yeah, and also I think they do practice dead ball kicks. It's easy in training though, isn't it? Same with penalties. But uh, when it comes to doing it on the pitch... Uh, on the main pitch good evening this is from Lostoff Ian hello Lostoff Ian good evening GB and Rowena great show and one of the very few reasons to smile about the season thanks mate Uh, and Lostoff Beach is open again of course keep up the great work as for the players get the buggers out all of them thanks for that Ian very to the point if nothing else
1: that's one way to to make a change isn't it absolutely Uh, uh,
0: Mrs Nuts hi GB and lovely Rowena
1: hello Mrs Nuts hope you're well (laughs)
0: It's Luke Matheson I feel sorry for A young lad full of enthusiasm and hope When he arrived and then we injure him I wonder if he'll travel to Rochdale on Monday So he can at least share some easter eggs With his old mates
1: Gosh I can't really remember Luke Matheson Was he the one with the long hair? It's been so long since I've seen him
0: Yeah, He briefly came in the side Um, The last time I saw Mrs Nuts At an away game was indeed at Rochdale Wasn't it Mrs Nuts? Um, Along with Slowball
1: yeah. Wow, small world when we're allowed to travel
0: Yeah, well who wouldn't even now, who wouldn't want another rainy drizzly night in Rochdale, I'd have, I'd, I'd have that now.
1: Absolutely, I'd have you go to that as well.
0: <laughs> Thank you Thanks Mrs Nuts John, uh, John W, hello GB and Rowena, please tell me things have to get better I think Cook seems a very credible and good man, why aren't the players buying into his enthusiasm and showing more? Here's John
1: Gosh, John, I think we've probably covered elements of that. I, I still think there's a lot to be said for a really difficult 18 months, possibly even two years for the players, and that's a hard funk to get out of, actually. So, I, I mean, I'm optimistic, but mm. I don't think it's that easy for the players to bounce back so quickly, possibly.
0: Yeah, good one. Yeah, I think um, it's it's hard to know if whether... They, they probably are buying into his enthusiasm. I think it's... He's got a lot to instil very, very, very very quickly, hasn't he? Ooh.
1: Well, I think it's the tyranny of being a manager now. People just expect an automatic turnaround. Well, you can't change a whole team and a whole ethos in a club overnight. You can certainly have a big impact on it, but it's it's not... Mm. I think that's an un, not necessarily from John. I just think that's an un, unfair expectation that, that people often have of, yeah, of new managers and new ways.
0: The dead cat bounce, whatever they call it. Yeah, thanks for that, John. I think... Uh, It's a case of um, watch this space, isn't it? Izzy, hi Graham, I was reading in the local paper about how well the town youth teams are doing. Both the under-23s and under-18s have recently won and the under-18s haven't lost in 12 games. And I did wonder if this ill-prepared them for a move to the senior team as they aren't gaining the mental resilience to deal with losing. Could this be why so many young players like Andre Dazel who look brilliant when they debut for the senior team, then never quite live up to that initial promise?
1: I think that's a really, really good question, Izzy, and a tough one because I think there's a whole psychology of sport and sports performance there that would need thinking about. I'm not convinced it's just about the resilience to losing. I think it's also about consistency of the players and the quality of the players around you.
0: Thanks, Izzy. Slowerball, good evening, Mr Blackburn, good evening, Miss Mackey. Love the show. Does the panel think that our season is now as dry as a dead dingo in the Gibson Desert? (laughs) And do you think that Cook failed to do his homework prior to taking the job? He surely can't have expected to inherit such an ineffective, uninspiring and ordinary group of players. Is it the case of the season is dead? Long live next season. God bless Tommy Orr. (laughs) Australian
1: <laughs> Hello Slower. Um, Good to hear from you And uh, sorry we couldn't come up and see you uh, the other week When we were up in uh, Accrington like we did last year um, Long story short I think all managers would do their research Wouldn't they And he'd be aware of what he was inheriting And I expect that um, Paul Cook's going to have a, a, a long game plan If he's you know allowed to have that um, Because his team's only ever going to be as, as good as the players in it So I, I fully expect he would have been aware of what he was stepping into um, especially oh, if- as for Tommy Orr, yes comes from a lovely part of Australia the Gold Coast uh, and I know he went back because he requested his contract to be cancelled so that's an interesting, yeah. interesting feature about Tommy
0: yeah yeah got, there's got to be a joke about I mean, I'm surprised you didn't come up with a joke about oars and boats and and Sue's canals uh, slower. Thanks for that. Uh, Finally, um, someone called Alice. Chambo has been getting a lot of stick recently. Is Rowena's love affair with him finally coming to an end?
1: Oh, Alice, that's so harsh. No, Alice, my love affair with Chambo will never be over. I heart Chambo.
0: I heart Chambo. Uh, Right, thank you for that, Rowena. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Thanks for your emails. Thanks for your texts. From a 19-degree Ipswich till next week. Take care. Bye. Mm -hmm.